Hi, this is Beth Geyer, and welcome to Clay Nelson's Life Balance Teleseminar. Thank you so much for being here. This month's topic is Managing Change. Now, I don't know about the rest of you, but this has been a month filled with all sorts of changes for both Clay and I. And Clay has a lot to share with you today regarding these changes and how we've managed that change, and even more importantly, what we are doing to have some fun with it. So, Clay, please take it away. Hi, good afternoon. Managing change, boy, that's a thought, isn't it? It's like, what is change? I mean, have you looked around lately? Have you just checked your household out? Just check your desk out. Check the Internet out. Check your kids out. Check your wives and husbands out. Check your businesses out. It's all about being present to some form of change. Personally, in my case, it's being, being present to my energy level, my change in my energy level, my stamina level at 61 years old, what I have to do to maintain it, how present I have to be to what I eat, how much I exercise, how I plan, how much work I'm going to do, how many consistent hours, how many consistent retreats, uh, how many things I do one after the other, and how often I need to stop and just charge my batteries, which is a change at my age. Um, you know, the world is changing so fast. We're kind of getting used to change, but we're not really present to it. And think about this. When do you notice change? Only when it affects you. Only when your wife or husband says, I, I don't want to do it that way anymore. Or when your kids go, no, Mom, it's this way. I learned it this way. Or you notice for the Catholics in the world, the Pope has passed away. Talk about change. The religious side of the world, you know, one billion Catholics are looking at who the new Pope is going to be, and they're finally starting to see that there's a lot of politics in choosing that person. A lot of change, a lot of visibility. A lot of change in the national economy. A lot of change in gas prices. A lot of change in agreements around war. A lot of the changes, though, that we see and that we deal with, you know, are kind of like news items. They're not like us. Like our image of Michael Jackson is changing. Our image of certain or what, you know, what certain music we like is changing. Or how many hours we work is changing. Uh, what we do for recreation is changing. But notice, clearly notice, that the only change that you're really aware of and really participate in is the change that affects you personally. And it's not about, you know, the phrase being versus doing. It's not about what you do with it. It's about who you're being when it shows up. It's about your resistance to it or your ability to flow with it or your ability to get the gift of it, or your ability to, quite frankly, go into denial because of it. I mean, think about it. In today's world, what's true one day is proved false the next. I mean, things we've counted on for years disappear before your eyes. Medically speaking, all kinds of things are changing. I mean, they've got, my gracious, they've got robots now that can take out your appendix without a physician even being there. They can do quadruple bypass surgeries on someone's heart where the doctors in Europe and you're in California 
and they do it with robots. I mean, the biggest union fight that's been on record so far was uh, with GM, and what the, the workforce was fighting for was to retain their jobs because robots can build cars better than people can, and they don't want that change to happen. Let me see, the rate of change with our society is a 24-7 multimedia news coverage event. As fast as someone even blinks on the other side of the planet, we get it on this side of the planet. And as leaders, and you are if you're on this phone call or you're listening to this CD, as leaders, you've got to get to the place where you can manage the kind of change that we're talking about at the speed we're talking about without going into information overwhelm or even feel overwhelmed enough so that you ignore it. Ignore it. You cannot ignore the change. Now, for most people, change, anything that's a change, anything that takes, them out of, takes you or them out of their familiar territory, anything that's a shift in what they know, anything that they've experienced has fear attached to it. Anything that shifts that, anything that changes from what they know, anything they're familiar with, any change that comes about, any move towards an unknown, the first thing the mind does is create fear. See, the human mind is really a wonderful, wonderful machine. It's designed to keep us safe. Now, where does safe live? Safe lives in what we've experienced, what we know, what we've done already. And where does that live? It lives in the past. So anytime we're going to step out of anything, you know, any familiar territory and step into some place we haven't been before, our minds are going to say to us, ah, don't go there. It's not a good move. You're going to die. You could lose the body part. Don't be ugly. Your mom's going to get mad at you. Your kids aren't going to talk to you. You're going to get fired. It's going to be ugly. The bank's going to say no. The materials aren't going to get there on time. Sales aren't going to happen. It's going to get ugly. You're going to go into a downward, downward spiral and just spin out and turn into a pile of dust if you step out there. That's what your brain does. But the truth is, as leaders, you're going to have to manage this. So you have to manage the fear of change. You're going to have to manage the fear that your staff has of change. You're going to have to manage, quite frankly, your community and its fear of change. You're going to have to manage pessimism. The one thing you have to remember as the world changes and your world changes, even if you're not fully for the change, you have to remember one thing. It's going to happen. You can't stop it. You can stop it for a while, but you can't stop it for very long. So you're going to have to learn to creatively align with what's coming before you. Now, creative alignment is a conversation about, I'm not sure whether I like this or not, but I better start aligning with it because it looks like it's going to happen and it's bigger than me, so I better start taking a look at how i got to play this game. I want to be there first, not last. So creative alignment is a phenomenal way to take a look at something and not have to be fully committed. Now, to have that kind of power, you have to remember another thing. We are, or I am, or you are, the only person who has a say in how your life turns out. No one else is. How you deal with change, how you deal with change, I'll say it again, how you deal with change denotes where you're going to end up. The power of choice is yours. 
And you have a choice. You can choose to be a master of change, or you can choose to be a victim of change. Which do you choose? Think about that. Let me give you an example of something I went through and have been going through over the last four or five years of my life. Susan, who have been married to for 20 years, been living with for 27 years, is the greatest gal on the whole planet. And we put together this plan years ago that said, hey, we're going to have this much money, we're going to live in this house, we're going to have this kind of business, we're going to have these kids, we're going to do all kinds of things, and we're going to grow old together and sit underneath a big fig tree and just look at the world and go, ah, we did it. Then about five years ago, we're about three-quarters of the way through the plan, except for the old part, of course. I'm never going to get older, maybe, but not old. About five years ago, she said to me, Glenn, I go, yes, ma'am. She says, I don't want to do anything we planned. I don't want to work anymore. I don't want to do books anymore. I don't want to take care of the nonprofit anymore. And you know what else? I don't know what I want to do, but I know I don't want to do what we're doing. Change, ladies and gentlemen, change. And Susan, bless her heart, she knew she had to change, but she didn't know what to or why. All she knew is that it was time to leave her mark. And she didn't want my help, my power, my connections, our money, nothing. She wanted to do it all on her own. And it took me a year, ladies and gentlemen, a year not to be upset about that. A year not to make stuff up about that. A year to absolutely get that it's just a change. It's not the end of a relationship. It's the start of a new one. I had to give up control. Okay, now, get back on your feet. You know, I say give up control. I know a lot of you kind of fell over about that. Well, hell, I can't do that. I can't give up control. I have to control everything. I'm in charge. I'm the man. I'm the woman. I know what I'm doing. I'm going to tell everybody what to do because I know it works because I'm sure this is what it works. This is, I'm right about it. And the truth is, you're only right about your experience. You only write about what you know. What about what you don't know? Here's another one for you. What about what you don't know you don't know? What about discovery? What about you're the person that's going to find out, learn to language something nobody else has ever found out about, therefore has no language for? What about that part of living? I mean, think about it. Think about all the things that have been invented in our lifetime. <sighs> that they had no language for, that we now have language for. Think about that. It's all about being able to master change. It's all about teaching change. It's all about changing in front of everyone around you. As a leader, they will then know how to do it. The first thing that comes to my mind after I said that is, well, why do I have to change? Why can't someone else change? I'm pretty happy right where I am. It's because if you look around and you're the person that's starting to see that a change is needed, you're the only person that sees it. There isn't anybody else to break inertia in the domain of change. It is you. And your mind's going, uh-uh, don't step out there. They're going to get mad at you. They're going to make you wrong. They're going to talk about you. That's leadership. Leadership is not about agreement. It's about new thought. It's about generating new ways of being. So becoming a master of change or even an emissary of change or someone that brings change about in an acceptable manner to another, that person has to have the choice and you have to be in action. 
versus being in reaction to whatever someone might say, even your own mind. You have to be committed to be outrageous, not so much committed to what you do or how you're going to do it, but you have to be committed to the change so outrageously, so completely, that the how will then show up. You have to be so gracious and so great and so big with your family, your co-workers, and your fellow men and women that you don't default to making them wrong when you speak the change and they want to fight you or they don't understand. Change requires full and complete communication with a tremendous amount of patience. If you want to change something, and you speak it, and who you're speaking to doesn't understand it, it is not their fault, it is yours. You have to find a way to speak the possibility of the change so they can hear it. That's your job as a leader. It is not your job to speak the change like a demand and walk away and let them float around like a fish out of water. That's not leadership. Now, the one thing I have seen in the domain of change in my life, and quite frankly, as a business coach, all I do is deal with change, change of thought, change in commitment, change in belief system, change in dislike to like, change in absolutely hate to love, change in I can't forgive to forgive, change in I don't need a plan to I can see the value of a plan, Change in, wow, I'm used to being poor, this is cool, I have some money. Change in having more time than you have work. Change from struggle to absolute bliss. Change from not in good health to phenomenal health. Health. Change in sacrificing family for work to having life balance where you have a balance between family and work. And the work always makes more money and has more fun and the family always gets better been in those kind of changes for 28 years. And one of the things that I want you to get in this talk today is that there is an emotional component to change. And that emotional component shows up in other people's feelings. It could be fear. It could be control. It could be, oh my gosh, not another thing. I, I just don't have time for this. I'm sorry. I, I can't change. I just learned the last software. Why do I have to learn the new one? So the emotional component of the change has to be dealt with. Now, one of the things I've learned about providing the opportunity for someone to choose to change is to teach change in a level of communication I call first person. Always teach change. Always suggest that a change occur. Always suggest that possibly if we did it a different way, it would be better. Always teach it from first person. By that, I mean always teach it from your experience, the speaker, the leader's experience of the change or some form of change that you've been through earlier in your life. Never point the finger. Never say change is a have to. Never put anyone's job on the line. Never put a relationship on the line for change. If that's the case, people will emotionally dislike the change so much, no matter what the, no matter what the value the change has, it will never be seen. The cost will be too great to step into it. A leader 
has to plant the seed of change in a way that is honorable to the listeners. Full and complete communication, speaking from first person, and then being an effective, incredible listener so that the family, the individual, the team, the banker, the community, the newspaper, the email group, the ministry can say what they need to say about their feelings and their opinions of the change. And once that's said, you have a chance to start the change. You know, I've noticed when, I, when I've gone into coach sales teams, one of the things that I've noticed is that they have a hard time with people that say no to them. And I teach them, I say, look, no is a great place to get to in sales because once the potential buyer has said no and they've done with the no, it's a brand new, wonderful opening for a yes. The same thought occurs with being the master or the emissary of change. Leadership nowadays requires that you may be given a talk, and in the middle of that talk, you may have to change the direction before the talk's over. I'm coaching some people right now that they're starting to see that happen. Some of them are in Texas. One's in Wisconsin. So it's United States-wide. I've got another one in Germany. She sings to an international audience. When she feels that the conductor isn't with her, she changes what she's supposed to do so they are one again. She is so present to the end product and the beauty of it all. She can shift. She's big enough, brave enough, and smart enough to change what she's doing. So that brings us to another thought. To be truly an outrageous master or an emissary of change, she has to be emphatically clear and present to how you are relating to others. You have to totally give up the world of I know. You cannot come from I know this is right. You have to come from what do you think. You have to come from the question, not the answer. Remember, when we step into the land of I know, learning stops about whatever we're talking about. We have to give up the opportunity to grow and to adapt to the change around us and in the person that we are talking to. So we have to give up the opportunity to grow and adapt to the change. In other words, it's not about us. It's about enrolling the folks that we're talking to about the change into the value of the change so much so that they take it on like it was theirs in the first place. We have to be the question and absolutely stop being the answer. You want your team, your wife, your husband, your children, people in your ministry, Co-workers, trade contractors, whoever, whoever you're discussing change with, some policy change, some methodology change, some change in thinking about somebody, some change in how we listen, some change in how we honor others, some change in the need for forgiveness. Whomever you're speaking those changes to, those people have to feel secure. They have to feel that the change is something they can really take on and really own. Now, let's talk about most of us on these calls I've found, uh, many of us have teams or people we work with or groups that we coach or groups that we hold accountable or groups that we or we're kind of looked to as the person that has the idea or has written the plan and they kind of look to us for what's next. 
And it's like another thought that I want to talk about is how do you how do you keep your team alive? How do you keep your team you know, in a place where respectfully they're going to have to be in constant change because that's what the world is doing. And the way you do that is you communicate the thoughts about change you have. No withholding. You put it out there. You ask permission to shoot straight. And before you say it, you, you, you say straight up, hey, I'm going to say some things now about some change that I think we need to look at. I want your input, any input. I want you to know I'm going to listen to what you have to say. And remember this, anytime you can get a team, a team member or the entire team involved in identifying the need for a change and what change there will be made, it eliminates the fear around the change. Change happens through human communication. And giving your team the power to implement those changes through communication, through thought, will empower and strengthen the team no matter what the change is. Anytime you have a group of people go through a series of changes, once the changes are implemented, those people know each other better. And then next time you have to go through change, the easier it's going to be. In fact, as a leader, once your team understands that changing is okay, you better buy yourself a safety belt because a lot of folks have been taught all their life, only do what the plan says. Don't think outside the box. And once you let people know that it's okay to think outside the box and change what the heck's going on, you're going to discover some thinkers. What's really cool is a good possibility you can discover your replacement. So all you leaders are on the phone, all the CEOs, CFOs, COOs, project superintendents, everybody that's out there, whether you're in sales, construction, mediation, I don't care what you do. You know as well as I do, the smart person is always looking for the replacement because there's always something more for you to do. And you can't get to what's next unless you're able to give away what you're doing. And the way to find that person, or the group maybe, that would give you the freedom to move on to what's next, lives in how you manage change and the communication of it. Now write this one down, please. To manage change is to plan for it. Now think about this. You have a group of people that provide a service, and each person in the group does a piece of the service, from actual breaking the inertia with the client to the finish with the client. Now, what happens if somebody has to leave the team? It's a change. So we have the team design the change. Either we replace the position or we absorb it, but we have the team figure out what's the best way to do this, which in turn, as I said earlier, creates ownership. It's really cool. So whenever possible, the best way to manage change is to plan for it. Now think about this. Just for a minute, in your business, whether you're selling a product, building a building, which is selling a product, providing a service or whatever, think about now, what change right now in your business, or quite frankly, in your life personally, what change do you see needs to happen? Just make a note. I'll be back in 15 minutes. I'm making notes. <laughs> I only have a few changes in my life that need to take place. So you got
got them noted, you got them written out. What changes need to take place in your business? Think about that. What changes need to take place in your marriage? Think about that. Here's a good one too, ladies and gentlemen. I'll get aside. What changes need to take place in your spiritual life? What changes need to take place between you and your kids? How do we need to change with respect to writing down what we want? You know, we teach that. We give it away to others. But for us, for the most part, the leaders that I know, for the most part, change for us lives in the land of I'll get to it. Yes, sir, Clay, I know what you're talking about. Boy, I sure thank you for having my life because every time I see it, I go, oh, my gosh, i got to change somebody. I know I do. Here comes Clay. Oh, God, change is coming. I know what you're talking about, Clay. Yep, I got it. It's right over here in this little box. And I asked what the name of the box is. It says, I'll get to it as soon as I have time. Truth is, never have time. You're a leader. The only way you can have time for change in your personal life or change in your business life is you have to stop the train, get off, and write it down. So think about this. What changes are coming up for you in your personal life? What changes are coming up for you? How about all of us have parents? What changes are starting to show up in our parents? Or here's one that saddens me even to talk about. Is the biggest change I've had in my life is my daughter just went away to college. And I'm just a big old boy, got lots of money, lots of energy, pretty much bulletproof, got a great family and a great wife and a great son, all kinds of toys and hardly with flames on. I live on a beach in Santa Barbara. Everything's really totally cool. But I tell you what, ladies and gentlemen, when, my, when I dropped my daughter off at school and I drove home from where I dropped her off, and, I drove into my driveway and I saw her car wasn't in the driveway anymore. Boy, there was a major empty spot in my life. And it was a change I never thought would grab me. So I thought I'd just be big and tough and thick, you know, like a male, you know, real thick about it all, you know. And I could just be with it, you know what I mean? I could just absorb it because I'm male, I'm tough, you know, I'm a veteran and all this stuff. That's the biggest bunch of hogwash I've ever heard in my life. And boy, I keep talking. Every time I say it to myself, I say, Nelson, you dummy. What are you doing? Better figure out a way to be in a relationship with her long distance. Better figure out a way that works for you and works with her. So what I did is I found out. This is sneaky, too. I found out she has this phone. And the phone accepts email. So guess who's firing off messengers, messages off to her three or four times a day and every night before I go to bed and every morning before I have my coffee, I'm talking to her. And she's just G-John back. And every time I miss one or two days, I get emails from her and say, Dad, what happened to you? Because of this change, I have more communication with my eldest daughter than I've ever had before. It is the coolest thing I've ever experienced in my life and... It's because I participated in it. I didn't walk away from it. I actually let my heart drive my head. You know, for a male, that's tough. Now, I know there's probably no other males that feel that way out there, but just in case it sneaks up on you, just remember this story I told you, all right? That's a big change. Now, another thought. There's the changes we know of, there's the surprise changes that surprise us and, quite frankly, we don't know of. And then there's the domain of managing change, period. I call it the transition phase. 
How do we move from I know to what'd you say? How do we move from what do you mean? That works great. What do you mean it doesn't work anymore? What do you mean the company that used to do that for us is no longer in business and we got to do it ourselves? What do you mean our accountant's not is retiring? What do you what do you mean? What are you talking about? What you, what, I don't know about this. What do you mean the IRS is auditing the last four years of our taxes? What do you mean our son doesn't want to go to college? What do you mean the bank loan was declined at the last minute? How could that have happened? They can't do that. What do you mean I have cancer? What do you mean they dug the basement on the wrong lot? What do you mean John quit? If you're a John out there, I'm kidding. It's not you. But the point is, is all the change that goes on in life and in the world is going to keep going on and keep going on and keep going on and keep going on. Remember I said at the beginning of the talk, the only change you have to worry about is the change that affects you. But notice, there's lots of change affecting you. So what's the template you want to put together for managing change? One, write this down, ladies and gentlemen, one. Make sure you understand what the change is. Two, make sure you can communicate the change effectively. Three, always look for what you don't know about the change. Four, if the change affects anybody else besides you, bring them into the domain of change that we're talking about and have them be a part of the deciphering of what the change is and how you're going to manage it. Give up being the lone ranger in change. By the way, that works really good when your health changes. Works really good when your marriage changes. Works really good when your belief system about some other human being in your life changes. You find out that they're incredibly human and they've done some things that are just way out of integrity. And it's a major change for you and how you're going to handle it. I'm going to say something now that some people have a hard time putting into the box called change or managing change. You know that change can occur really easy when you can forgive yourself for the resistance to it or you can forgive what caused the change. See, it's not about what caused it. It's not about it, the change. It's about us and how we deal with it. Mastering change is all about the person that has the change in front of them. It is a choice. Not to do it or not, is it going to be hard or easy is the choice. Change is much, much easier when there's trust involved between the human beings that change is involved around. Trust, forgiveness, full and complete communication, clarity about the change, being able to listen, to vent, even allow yourself to resist for a while which is the greatest place in the world get a sense of humor about who you're being, by the way, is watching yourself resist change. I mean, I'm hilarious. Of course, I never resist change. You can ask Beth about that. Or Susan. You can ask Susan, too. It is absolutely incredible. Absolutely incredible. I mean, I'm 61 years old, and every time I turn around, I think, okay, i got to figure it out. And i got to figure it out for about a half a day when something else changes. 
I'm putting a marketing plan together through a marketing company in Texas. And they're using technology, and I gotta tell you, I'm pretty computer savvy. They're using technology I don't have a clue about. So they speak to me in some ways that they're speaking over my head, so I have to slow them down so they can speak English into my world. Change, both change for them and change for me. My job is to make sure I never walk away from any communication anywhere not understanding what was said. To assume someone else will manage the change assumes stepping in to a big pot of cold carol syrup on a snowy day. Once you get in it, you are not moving out of it very fast. Can you picture that? Be ready now for you, the people around you, to always react to change in different ways. Don't ever assume that the people you know well are going to react a certain way, and based on that assumption, you don't have to communicate the change, either that it's coming or that it's here or that it applies to them. Some people move with change very easily. Others are extremely challenged by it, and others are extremely challenged by it over time. It takes a while to, for the upset to kind of get to the surface. So the greatest tool to, for management of change is communication. How do you feel about this? What do you think about that? What's it been like for you over the last three or four days using this new tool or living inside of this new requirement? Get people to talk about what it feels like what they like about it, what they don't like about it. One of the great, wonderful gifts you get out of communication around change is how to change it, how to change the change so it works better. And maybe you start changing the change so it works better, you create ownership. Once you create ownership, it is the team that will take over. The leader no longer has to. The leader is ready to move on to the next change in their life or their business or the future that they're responsible for. The key to a great future for all of us is the ability to be with and to manage change. Change is the only constant you can really, truly rely on. And you have to be able to manage it in order to make opportunity of it. And here's a quote from John Kennedy, President Kennedy. Change is the law of life, and those who look only to the past or the present are certain to... Now, one of the things I like to say before I open it up for discussion is, you know, we are the only people. I am in my life, you are in your life, and anybody you know, they are in their life. The only person who has a say in how they manage the change in their lives. So you have a choice. You can either complain about the changes or you can create ways to align with the changes, or you can create changes that make life better. It's your choice. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this is Clay Nelson. Uh, I have to admit, I put this CD together 15 years ago, and I listened to it about two weeks ago, and I couldn't believe how everything I listened to absolutely applies to today. You notice I said I was 61 years old 
a couple of times on this CD. Well, I'm now 75, almost 76 years old. It is just amazing how applicable it is. So uh, enjoy. Please share it with as many people as you can. It's very, very useful for folks, especially nowadays with the amount of change that's going on. Thank you for listening. And if I can help you in any way, use my website. There's a lot of great free information there. Take care, y'all.